Howdy, welcome back to the Red Ass Podcast. This is Rob White, class of 2014. And this is Roy May, class of 2015, fighting Texas Aggie, class 2015, pardon me. That's absolutely right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're just super thrilled to have you guys back on the podcast, uh, episode three. And uh, today we're going to be talking about a little bit of barbecue and a little bit of football, but maybe not your football. Yeah, not so much. Um, I actually threw a poll up on Twitter uh, and have been looking at the results throughout the day, so I'll, I'll have to reference that. But uh, but before we get in, you know, before we get into the part where everybody just turns us off because nobody likes us, you know, Americans call it soccer. Um, <laughs> I guess uh, I guess we're gonna talk a little barbecue today, right? Yeah, that was the thought process. So uh, for those of you who have been living under a rock for the past several years, uh, my co-host uh, Roy May here does own and operate his own barbecue joint here in the greater Bryan College Station area known as Good Bull Barbecue. Uh, kick-ass tacos, uh, kick-ass barbecue, everything rocks and rolls there. And I guess uh, more or less I'm taking the lead here, just asking him a few questions. Uh, first and foremost, why barbecue? Uh, you know, it's it's funny. I uh, Growing up, when I used to come and visit, I used to love to go to Tom's Barbecue, and any old ag remembers Tom's Barbecue, and and uh, I'll be honest, you know, it's when you look back on things in life, you always remember them as being better than they were. Um, so I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you um, how good the barbecue actually was, but I remember the environment about it, and so family style, and they put down the butcher block paper, and they just kind of threw all your food on the table on the paper. And I remember just when we came and visited as a family, going to Tom's, and I, you know, and I remember the barbecue being good. And, uh, it, but it wasn't just the food, you know, it was the atmosphere. It was kind of the environment. And I think that's, um, I think that's something that, that's, that's very unique to barbecue in the sense that, uh, there's not a lot of barbecue joints out there that kind of try and church up this crazy experience. Um, everybody that pretty much starts a kind of an individual, you know, independent barbecue restaurant, I feel like they get, you know, they get their craft down. And then they create this demand, whether it's through a food truck or, or whatever, going to festivals. And uh, and so they decide to open a, a restaurant, but none of these guys are restaurateurs, you know. Right. They're, bar- they're barbecue guys. So uh, so you find such a, a unique, you know, there's, there's some stuff here and there that, that are similar between barbecue joints. But you find it's always a unique experience when you go to barbecue joints, whether it's um, a place like, you know, like Blue Moon Barbecue, which is out east of us on OSR. Unfortunately, they're closed down for the unforeseeable future because of you know the OSR construction process. Right. But uh, but you know, it's a tiny little shack. Um, you know, I used to walk around the back and talk to the pitmaster. It's it's so unique and small and tiny, a little outside. And then you you know you go down to maybe somewhere in spring or like you come into Good Bull. And so obviously, since we're right across from campus, we're very Texas A&M oriented. You know, if you combine that with the fact that I'm running, you know, I was the one that, that put it together along with the board and all the boards, Aggie. So now all of a sure. sudden you got, you know, six Ags that want to have a barbecue experience, but they also want to be very A&M centric with it and uh, centric with it. And that was my thing when we were kind of going through all the, the decorating, uh, kind of the interior design, if you will. Um, I wanted to be as obnoxiously Aggie as possible and then take one tiny step back. And that's kind of where we ended. That's kind of where we ended with it. But it's you know it's so unique because everybody has this this different concept of how they want their restaurant. It's those are independent restaurants in general. But uh, but you always you know the, the places that you love to go get barbecue. It's not always just about you know the meat because it was just about the meat. You'd never go sit down. You know you just order it to go always every single time. Right. And I can certainly see where, you know, there are advantages to on the go food. I mean, you, uh, especially when you first started out, you weren't necessarily in a building. You had your own separate truck at the time. You know, tell me about how that went. You know, how, how did you enjoy working right. well, the truck? Well, so what's funny about that is we actually started before that. So mm-hmm. uh, we, we started as a catering business working out of a prep kitchen. And, um, and it was evident from the very start, uh, two things. One, we still had a lot of work to do, no matter how good we thought we were. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and two, there were, there were a lot of people in this community that put, put a lot of faith in us and, and, you know, kind of supported us and trusted us to cater an event. And, you know, when you, when you're catering food to an event, you're the one that's putting the event on and, you know, the food's normally one of the biggest comments you'll get back, you know, whether they liked it or, or whatever. And, um, 
And so we had a lot of people in the community just really kind of put their faith in us because they didn't have a brick and mortar or a truck to go try our food. They're just like, hey, Roy's a good dude. Let's give it a, let's give it a run. And, uh, and so we learned a lot, and we learned a lot the hard way doing that. And then we were eventually able to get the trailer built. And we went trailer first just for almost probably more financial reasons, less of a financial risk to get a trailer as opposed to, you know, either go into a brick and mortar or build one. You know, building a restaurant's a million-dollar venture. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, from the ground up, so we got, you know, we got the trailer and, uh, uh, and just kind of pushed it out from there. And, you know, there are, uh, you know, there are times where, you know, like I said, you know, everything you remember from the past is better than it probably was, but you know, I, <clears throat> the days on the truck, there were so many fun days and, and just kind of that it's, and the way we had it set up, man, it was just me, you know, unless we were doing catering events, like the daily operations of the truck was just me. So it was, you know, I'd, <clears throat> You know, I'd basically in the in the evenings, I get all the meat prepped, get it thrown on the smoker, and then I check the smoker periodically throughout the night. Then I wake up about 6:30 or 7 and start getting on the sides, and and I had it kind of staggered because I do some stuff at different temperatures, so I had to get you know the brisket, the pork off, so I could crank the temp up to do kind of my hot and fast stuff, and. Uh, you know, so you get all that done, you get everything loaded up, everything like secured down because you're driving through Southgate and those streets with a 27 foot trailer aren't, you know, it ain't like driving across a nice, nicely paved parking lot. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, it took me a couple of times actually to find the right route to where I missed all the big dips back there, but so I wouldn't bottom out the trailer, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, you get up there, you get set up and I, and I run till, you know, two, three o'clock you break everything down. I'd I'd come to the house. I'd have about 15, 20 minutes, and then it was right back to prep. So like, you know, six days a week doing that. I don't know that I necessarily missed all of that part of it. Sure. But um, but at the same time, you know, the grind is is what you embrace. You know, it's embrace the suck. That's what we always like to say in the army. You know, when 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 everybody else wants to kind of hang their head and and you know, woe is me. Like, dude, man, this is the best time to do it. Like. Dude, this this is like you are living life when you just embrace the suck, go out there, and you know, in in the face of adversity, you just keep grinding and pushing and and moving forward because you have this, you know, you have this short, medium, and long term kind of you know mindset and goals in your head. You know, whether you wrote them down and you're real dead set with business, or you just you know where you want to be and you really know what it's going to take to get there, and. Uh, you know those those Tuesdays and Wednesdays that you're just grinding and doing this and just back and forth and, and you know those those are the days when you look back you know now you look at a brick and mortar that we have right across from Kyle Field and those were you know that's really where you're out there and, and you're and you're putting the seeds in the ground and you know and and you're you know proper you know you're watering your plants and and your crop and and, and you're making sure it's fertilizer and you know the bugs and all this you know the way you, same way you would keep a, a farm with all your crops is you're cultivating a business and you're cultivating um, you know, it, it's just something for others, and and it's just like farmers because no matter how hard a work it is, oh man, you love it and you want to share it with people. Yeah, obviously you want to make a living, but nobody goes into the restaurant industry to become a millionaire. So, right. <laughs> um, you know, unless unless you're already there and you're franchising stuff out, you know, nobody nobody goes in no, you know, because you know, food margins are just brutal. So if you're not selling liquor and, and booze, it's you know, you you scrape by, but but it's just, it's it's so much fun to be to do you know, to be a part of small business because you're you're so much of the community and the community is so important to you and there's so much of your success and uh, and barbecue to me is a comfort food so you know and everybody's an expert on barbecue it turns out I, I was I was unaware of this every right. single human being <laughs> on the planet yeah is an expert on barbecue so uh, but you know you're you're proud of what you do and and it's you know the you know, you're never going to be, you know, as a tomb guard, line six of our Sentinel's Creed is my standard will remain perfection. You know, nothing in life you're ever going to do, you're never going to be perfect, man. But you need to, you need to realize that you can't drop your standards because you're not meeting the perfection. You have to, like, always, always leave the goal and the standard at perfection. And when you fall just short, you can pat yourself on the back and then in the same breath turn around and look, all right. Like tweak this, do that, and barbecue is such a moving target. It's so much fun. You have the weather. You have all these. You know, the same smoker will smoke something slightly different on two different days, and it'll drive you batty. But you know, you look at this, you're like, man, that's the best brisket ever popped out. And you're thinking, man, I could have done something a little bit better. Man, I bet you if I tweak this, it would have been a touch better. It's like I used to, 
you know, when I play golf, I'd sit in the clubhouse afterwards, have a beer, and I pull out my scorecard and I go shot by shot. You know, I go out and I, you know, I go and I used to play a ton when I was in the army, and I was out. You know, I was shooting, you know, eighty, you know, high seventies standard. You know, I go out and shoot a seventy-seven, and for somebody that you know is in the army for a living and not a golfer for a living, that's a pretty damn good round of golf. Not a bad score at all. And 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 the first thing I do is like, all right, how could I have gotten to a seventy-five? You know, it's and it's and maybe that's just kind of a mentality. Some people are like that, some people aren't. But barbecue is the same way, man. You know, it's there's always something you can tweak and something you can make just a touch better, and or you can try stuff out and get people's response, and then you kind of morph it all. So it's um, that's like my golf swing, except for basically everybody that sees it nowadays tells me it sucks. I have to be like, yeah, I know it does. <laughs> I'd say I gotta say, yeah. I mean, obviously, my early days going in and checking out Good Bull, um, you know, I was one of the street rats that would meet over on the side over in the parking lot uh, by the show oh, yeah. station, and absolutely loved it. You know, would pick up and, you know, oftentimes wasn't able to stick around very long because of uh, having to go back to work. But you know, I enjoyed getting to drop in and check that out and i'll be honest you know obviously one of my favorite spots in town i love dropping in there there's plenty of regulars and i've met so many great folks that thoroughly enjoyed that spot um, and obviously you know great food so let me ask you this what's your favorite item on the menu personally oh man oh gosh uh well, I'll tell you the most popular item. So the item that everybody else likes is the Big Mac. Right. And if you've never been, it's our, our pulled pork. And I, uh, you know, in Texas, pulled pork isn't as big a thing. Um, we have a little bit of different process where we blow kind of smoke on it for about five, six hours. And then we actually bag it so we can save a lot of those juices. Uh, I would put my pulled pork up against anybody's in the state of Texas. And I'd be happy to take it out to Memphis and give it a run too. But, uh, our yield, our yields real high, just the flavor is real good, but it's just our pulled pork, um, with our white queso mac and cheese. And it's a taco, which, and it sounds, <laughs> for those of you who've never had the white queso mac, my goodness gracious, easily my Dude, favorite could, side dish. I would get less flack if I stopped serving brisket than if I stopped serving the mac. <laughs> Seriously, I say I enjoy the brisket and I enjoy the tacos, but that white queso mac is what roped me the first uh, time I had it. Yeah, well, and I found that it was incredibly important for me on a daily basis. So you're talking six days a week, like quality control. So at least a pint a day, I need to make sure that it was good. So, uh, I yeah, I man, woof. <laughs> uh, it was like the opposite of church. The only time I didn't have mac was on Sundays, but uh, but. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, the nice thing is when you have your own joint, you know, the, your favorite thing to eat may not be on the menu. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. But probably the two two things I, I ate the most so easily are pulled pork sandwiches. Just, uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I know I'm biased, but I love our pulled pork. And, uh, you know, just some pickles, a bunch of barbecue sauce, onions, just, and then face cram. But, uh, or, uh, and then I, I'm a real big fan of our turkey. Smoke, you know, turkey is one of those things in the barbecue industry where it's, you know, people either want it or they don't. You can't really talk them into it. But every time I – like I used to get to the point where I was walking around the restaurant giving out samples. I mean we brine our turkey for four days before we smoke it. Uh, it's just – our turkey breast is phenomenal. So I ate a lot of turkey breast sandwiches. But, uh, but yeah, it's um, – yeah, I mean, you know, the taco menu and all this stuff, we, we really kind of – wanted to embrace a little bit of the Tex-Mex side of it. You know, on the, I mean, you were going to the truck. All I had was the pulled pork tacos, you know, the pork right. and, the, and the slaw. And, and that was something that um, I kind of garnered from uh, from my, my last duty station being North Carolina. You know, if you get pulled pork, slaw is coming on it. Like, you have to ask them not to put it on it. Right. And I'm not, like, the biggest slaw fan in the world, but I understand that when you do pulled pork properly, it's either a little stringy or a little mushy. Um you know, and so the, the slaw actually adds some texture and a little tang to it. So, right. so that's kind of how I came up with those for the trucks. I wanted to have some tacos on there. And then the taco, man, you just kind of went. Whoosh. Yeah. Well, and not to mention, it's a really good idea, especially here in Texas, to embrace a little bit of that Tex-Mex side. Nothing wrong with that at all. You know, gives well, it our own little flavor, you know. <laughs> well, and you're in a college town, man. Like, right. dude, in a college town, if you say tacos, like, you better have a helmet and a head start, dude. Like, no kidding. I mean, between you know, virtually everybody else running a Taco Tuesday, you know, that's definitely something you have to be prepared for, and something that's absolutely something to take advantage of monetarily yeah. on a Tuesday. 
I mean, just think of the places we have just around campus. You know, it's okay. um, you know, even though even though torches have changed, you know, you always got torches, you got Fuego, um, you got taco. us right on right on the side. You got Mad Taco, and I'm gonna tell you right now, I've eaten at all of them, and I love all of them. You will you will never hear me disparage a restaurant because I'm fat and I like to eat. Yeah, I mean, you're preaching to the choir on that one. <laughs> Yeah, like everybody's like, dude, so barbecue, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hey, bro, let's go have lunch at Salada. I'm down with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anywhere I can shove my face, I'm doing it. Right. So I will say, um, you know, obviously with your experience in barbecue, I'm going to ask you this. Uh, what is one of your most favorite places that you've been to elsewhere as far as barbecue? Oh. Just, you know, that kind of hits you out of the blue. Uh, you can give me a couple, whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, there's no yeah, here. I, you know, I always, I always hate saying this because I always, it's, it's like the people that ex- accept awards are like, I know I'm forgetting somebody because I'm gonna, I'm gonna name something, I'm gonna forget something. Right. Um. So I'll tell you a couple, and then I'll tell you a couple that I have not been to yet that I'm dying to go to. And see, that was um, be my next question. <laughs> yeah. So go for it. So, um, so I, I, you know. You really can't go wrong with Snows in Lexington. I mean, Snows and yeah, I know they're the big names on, on the list and everything, but there's a reason that they're there. Um, Snows and and Truths and uh, and Brenham, um, uh, a place I used to go to down in Houston. I got to be honest, I don't know if it's still there. It was down by a there was a mall right there where 290 and 610 kind of hit, and it was down by our church. Sure. It was a place called Damaris's. And, and, I, and the barbecue was good. Um, it was another one of those places where, I, you know, there, I had so many good memories with my family and, and going to Damaris's. And, you know, there were days when I was a kid, I'd go to go down to my dad's work and he kind of worked down in that area too. You know, I'd hang out in the plant all day. And at lunch, we'd hop over to Damaris's and have some barbecue. And, and I, I remember being so good. And, and, you know, a lot of that maybe was just the memories and the company I was keeping. Right. But, uh, but I don't know if Demare is still there. I'm gonna check it out next time I go down and visit the folks whenever that is. But um, <laughs> a place I have not been that I am dying to go to is La Barbecue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, and then there's a oh gosh, there's a place up in uh, Dallas. Oh crap, Pecan Lodge. I I have had Pecan Lodge, but somebody like picked it up for me and they put it in their hotel fridge and brought it to me the next day, so I had to heat it. So it's like. I mean, even then it was really good, but you're not getting the full, dude, if you're not getting it, you know, hot out of the restaurant, you're really not getting a, a really good depiction of, uh, of barbecue. That's one of the reasons I always, you know, t- to go orders and, and favor and Grubhub and all that stuff are awesome. They, they really are. They've opened up so many markets for especially small businesses. Right. But like if, if I slice, now I give you four slices of brisket and I put it in a box and you get it in 40 minutes. Like, first of all, it's going to look like a hot pile of garbage. Right. Um, <laughs> And it's, it's going to be dry. And so it's, you know, it's unfortunate. I, I remember we got started. They're like, dude, what's up, man? This looks dry. I'm like, well, you picked it up an hour and a half ago and you're just now opening the box. I don't, I mean, if you'd like me to come like, come with you in the car and, and constantly baste it with some broth or something, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to do it for improve your experience. But <laughs> so, you know, it's, you know, sandwiches you can get away with because they're sloppy and stuff like that. But when you're slicing brisket or slicing turkey or, you know, if you do pork loin or something like that, once you slice it, man, that meat starts oxidizing. And if it takes you 40 minutes to get to that food to eat it, it just, I mean, it, if it's good, it's still going to be good. But it, it was a lot better a half hour ago. Oh, no doubt. I can attest to that uh but yeah i mean you you mentioned pecan lodge i was about to say that's one of my favorite spots i've ever been up there in dallas absolutely enjoyed the heck out of there um there was a local spot back in my hometown um it's called red chimney barbecue over there in carlsbad and they take a very interesting spin on it because it pretty much covers all the bases uh the guys that are originally that built it are from kentucky but they took you know more or less their kentucky brand of barbecue took it through memphis and all that fun stuff on the way to carlsbad so you get the healthy blend of brisket a healthy blend of you know the pulled pork and everything else and it's absolutely delicious love it to death um and a little bias towards that because my uh, my grandfather, who uh, actually had passed away 15 years ago on the 17th, so a few days ago, um, his absolute favorite place on the planet was Red Chimney Barbecue. And so that's always a special spot for me anytime I get to go home. And I mean, to the point they had his picture on the mantle for a long time <laughs> because he was 
He was one of those guys, and that's one of the reasons why that, I love see, that place. That, that should be everybody's goal in life, and it doesn't right. have to be barbecue per se, and you don't have to join the mafia, and it doesn't have to be an Italian restaurant. Right. Like, you should have a place where you go there so frequently. I mean, it's like cheers, but you're going to get food. Everybody knows your name. You know, it's we had so many regulars like that. As soon as you see them, you just go and start ringing up the order and making it. You know what you, you know, you know what you're doing. You know what they want. Um, you know, and those and those are really those, it's it's funny because you know staff will change at a restaurant, but the regulars won't. So like the regulars end up being customers longer, and some of the employees end up being employees. Right, that's very true. <laughs> Can't go wrong. But there. yeah, there's a. Uh, there, I'll tell you what, here in town, um, if they ever do open back up, um, uh, I, I did re- I, I really liked Blue Moon. He and I talked for a long time, um, I, especially on reserves duty because I drill up in Bryan, so you're kind of already up by OSR. So we used to go out there, and I'd, I mean, he'd entertain me. We'd talk for an hour or so at lunch, and then uh, um, I have not been to 1775 yet. I've heard some great things about it, and... You know, given that it's 1775, I'm going to go on a limb and guess that they're Army veterans. Um, so I need to get out there. Yeah, where's that one located? Uh, it is out, I want to say it's out, uh, University, out uh, by the Brazos River. Okay. University? I think it is. Check yeah, it, but it just yeah, it's just seventeen seventy five pit barbecue. Um, he and he wasn't like a seven day a week kind of operation before this. Um, so I mean, he's probably still running about the same hours, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But I know, like he does Duroc pork. Uh, I think he he might do prime brisket. Um, so uh, I just, I just, I mean, because because his hours were so kind of limited. Every time he was open, I was working, so I could just never make it out there, you know. So uh, so, so that's that's a place I, I've yet to get to. In fact, okay. I think that's the that's the only place in I believe in town that I haven't been to. Yeah, checking the side of the truck here. Yeah, veteran owned and operated, so you hit that one on the head. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Lots yeah. of good. Dude, I've, I've been watching. I've been watching Military History Channel for four weeks. Let's let's jam, <laughs> dude. Let's let's play Military History Jeopardy. Let's go. Let's Although, granted, it, you know. Granted, I was in the army, so I kind of know that 1775 thing. Oh yeah, no. You're, so you get into military. Yeah. Uh, History, you're gonna whip my ass. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> we can live with that. <laughs> well, well, folks. Yes, yeah, so we obviously enjoy our food here. Uh, we also enjoy our football, but uh, as much as we enjoy our uh, American football, where we hardly ever use our feet, we do enjoy the one where we primarily do use our feet a little bit. Little, so. <laughs> little, little, little footy ball. Little footy um, Little. <laughs> yeah. So it's. Uh, yeah, I, so yeah, let me pull up that poll. I I put a poll out and I was uh, on, on Twitter and I was just kind of curious. And not that, I mean, you can take from this what you want. I'm getting near 200 votes, so the percentages are pretty kind of you know kind of set. Unless some of the blokes across the pond that follow me see this, you know, see this poll and they spread it around. Right. But it's so I said, yeah, you know, would you rather watch reruns of NFL or college football games you didn't see or watch live Premier League matches? Like Premier League starts again, maybe no fans, but Premier League is on and it is like true live sports. And uh, and it is 75% foot uh, NFL college football. And so I got to thinking about that and I'm, I'm going to try not to go down a wormhole on this a little bit uh, or, or too much, but what's most fascinating to me. So growing up, I was, I was real fortunate. Um, you know, my, my dad worked really long hours and, did everything he could to make sure myself and my sisters, you know, could do kind of what we wanted to if it was reasonable. And so, uh, so I played little league baseball growing up. Um, I played soccer, I played lacrosse. Obviously I played football. Um, once I got started, you know, in middle school, mm-hmm. uh, I played, I played basketball. I mean, there's one, a lot of sports I didn't do. I did track. I was, a, I was a jumper. Um, I was not a runner, man, dude. It, in, <laughs> in, in, in my prime, if you're timing my 40 yard dash, just pull out the sundial. Um, yeah, no, I was not running either. I'm right there. With yeah. But, uh, but so, I mean, I, I played a couple of years soccer growing up. Um, and then when I was in high school, my, my team actually, my, my school's team actually won state and they did kind of the mock national rankings for it. And some of us had us number one in the country, and like my senior, my, yeah, my senior year. And it was, um, Obviously, it was a ton of fun going to games. I went to Klein High School. I was a stand leader, so yeah, we went all to all those games and everything. 
Right. And uh, and so you know that was fun to watch, but I I never fully got into it. As far as you know, it being televised here, obviously it's an early morning thing for us. You know, eleven o'clock is the late game. Um, you know, it's on the weekend, so unless you're really kind of geared in and locked in on on Premier League, I mean, you can always find Bundesliga, La Liga, um, you know, Serie A. You know, you can always find games or replays. But until like the NBC Sports Network came out and some of these other contracts have really kind of hit with all the sports, when you think about it, um, you know, the 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 market for Americans to be able to watch Premier League was just tiny. Yeah, and so. Yeah, so I was never a big soccer guy, and I got into it. And I don't, you know, you can take this for everybody's got it. Every American has a story for how they got into it, you know, unless right. they just played soccer their whole life growing up. Um, I uh, I was deployed, and I mean, when you're deployed, there's like a handful of things you do. You obviously go go out on patrols, right. you work out, you eat, you sleep, and you watch movies. That's pretty much it. That's, that's like five tasks, and that pretty much fills up your year. Um, and, uh, and this dude was like, hey, man, you know, check. Because you get to the point, it's like, you know, and, and during this quarantine, everybody's found just about the end of the Internet, right? You right. Know? Like, <laughs> so, you know, you get to the point where you've exhausted your own personal movie supply. So you're asking, hey, what do you have? It's anything. I don't care. I'll just I'll watch them. I mean, I I went and bought uh, uh, the markets there. Um, they sell a lot of bootleg stuff. And I bought, like, the entire series of West Wing Um <laughs> Yeah, you, know, you can buy you can buy like these Disney's DVDs that have 600 Disney movies on them, and most of the 600 will be of good copy. Uh, there you go. But uh, but my buddy was like, "Hey, check it out. This is called Green Street Hooligans." I'm like, "Oh, nice. whatever, dude." It, I'm like, "All right, man, it's Frodo. Let's go with it." Um, <laughs> and uh, that's, that's all I knew. Elijah Wood was in it, and I was like, "Okay." And it's and I knew about the kind of the hooligan culture a little bit, uh, so I was like, "Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll check it out because." What else do I have to do? Right. <laughs> it's not not like we're going out on the town. Um, so I watched and I just fell in love with the movie. And um, it's the hooligan culture is. It reminds me a lot of stuff. You know, like the gangster movies, like Goodfellas. We're we're really um, highlighting and praising kind of a, a morally bankrupt side of society. Mm -hmm. But we kind of glamorize, gla you know, glamorize and romanticize these. These, these dudes and uh, I just kind of fell in love with it and um, I just started researching about West Ham and I, I, I just both you know both feet into the deep end no no little swimmies no floats just jumped in the deep end with Premier League I got back and uh, and um, yeah I got back in uh, late 09 and I uh, just kind of Started watching it. I'm at the point now where I have like the Premier League gold on my phone, so I can always make sure I can catch matches. I always watch on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, I am I am West Ham till I die, dude. I I, I love my love my hammers. Um, and so that's how I ended up. I ended up get like getting into Premier League and following West Ham specifically for really the foundation is watching this movie. The one thing I will say though, like me getting into West Ham, mm -hmm. I've always been the kind of guy where if I get into something new and I don't know a lot about it. Like I, I never like to go with the big favorites. Like if I was just sure. now getting into like, like if like when I got into baseball, you know, like obviously I was a Stros fan, but you know, like the you know, with the Yankees are good. You know, it's easy to be a Yankees fan. You know, it was when I was growing up, it was easy to be a Bulls fan. Right. You know, and so it's uh, and so West Ham has like that just scrap culture and um, you know, I th I think. I think the the supporters are, are some of the best in football. I think you and I have talked about this. The owners are the worst. Yeah. I, I think it's it's, it's so un awful. It's like the worst combo ever because they are some of the most passionate, awesome football supporters out there, and their ownership just basically hates them. It's it's close to an absolute fan mutiny. Um, but I know y'all don't follow it, but it's it's hilarious to watch. And man, I will say one thing because I follow so many. Uh, um, you know, people in, in England and, and really in London. Um, I tell you what, the Brits use a lot more profanity than we do on a regular basis. You're not wrong. You're not wrong yeah. at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, way, way more. So that's my story, kind of how I got into Premier League. And I mean, I'd obviously watch a Premier League match before I watch a rerun. Um, you know, if I can, if I can Google something and find out the results, and it's not two teams I care about. You couldn't, no, not in a million years. Yeah, well, but, knowing, so, knowing. but. <laughs> well, knowing well, my fandom, you know that I'd much rather be watching a game right now, considering how well, close yeah. we are. 
Well, yeah, and, and you and you and I are we're on opposite ends of the spectrum, but we're both like, and I think I texted you this when like maybe three or four days after, or the first weekend after they shut down uh, Premier League you know, initially. It's like, how about this? How about we just call it a season, and y'all can have the championship as long as we don't get relegated. And I'm, I'm I, I, yeah, no, yeah, no complaints. No, complaints. not a single Liverpool, not a single Liverpool fan on the planet would would say no to that. Never. But. But I think we're going to have to talk at some point. We won't do it today, but we're going to talk some point about the genius that is the concept of relegation at a professional level. No, I'm right there with you. But, yeah, definitely getting into my the story on my fandom. You know, uh, there is a long... I will, I'll turn the mic off so you don't hear me barfing. <laughs> so, <laughs> for those of y'all don't know, there are five teams in London, and we don't really care for any of each other, no, per se. No, we don't care for London teams. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I was long time, not much of a soccer fan. I really didn't follow along. My little brother played. I played when I was, like, real young, but I ended up getting into it um, more or less by the time I got to my – Oh, junior year of college, uh, one of my really good buddies, his name's Colin Hunt. He uh, now I want to say he he spends a lot of time in Washington D.C. and just all over the place. But he came down here to school, and he really got into the A&M women team. And honestly, I'll admit, for a lot of my fandom for sports, it more or less blossoms from A&M and then goes out. So. Yeah. Uh- I'll tell you what, quick sidebar on this. If y'all are listening, if for some reason there's any current students or future students that are listening to this, you have got to go to Aggie soccer. Like, yes. Not not only, you know, just in the same vein that every other, you know, Aggie sport is, that it's a great, fun experience, and we make it really unique to us. Um, Coach G has a phenomenal program, so you're yeah. going to watch somebody that you know is pretty damn good, and chances are they're going to win the match. So that's my little plug. Like, get your sports pass, go see every sport, and do not, do not forget to go to soccer games because those girls are some of the best in the country. They play on yeah. international teams. Yeah, it's like absolutely no excuse, and they've been a great program for a long time. I mean, what, they made 24 tournaments in a row or something ridiculous like that? I mean, they're – they're the top program in the state of Texas, and if you need any, you know, any indication of that, they haven't lost a game to, or they haven't lost a match to another team from the state of Texas since 2008. So that should tell you something yeah. about this program. Coach Coach G is not only just a phenomenal dude. I I love Coach G. I uh, just as a person, but as a coach, that dude is no joke, and he put, has he has built. He's the longest tenured coach at A&M. Right now, yeah, once, so. once, once, yeah, once Laura Corbelli stepped down, because um, I think they got hired on the same day, and uh, yeah, go, go, go to Ellis. But anyway, sorry, back yeah, to Liverpool. Go to Ellis, make it happen. I will say, so like I said, my buddy Colin Hunt uh, and I met through Aggie Soccer. We went to a lot of matches, you know, sang songs. I sat with uh, what was Maroon Militia, um, and a lot of those folks, and we had this, you know, we had the flags, we had the songs. Uh, every individual player had a song. You know, it was very unique very similar to what you get in a european setting that's what we were trying to yeah, do the you know? drums yes i mean the horns i mean it was it was almost closer to like the russian series or, or bundesliga they're they're even uh yeah i mean they're they're loud loud premier league it's mostly just chance but man at, at ellis you got the drum baby <laughs> yeah it's a, and we were very fortunate at ellis because uh early on we had to basically have exclusions to the NCAA to do it and they allowed it. So that was really cool. Um, but, uh, so through Colin, I then discovered, uh, my first initial fandom in soccer, which was the U S men's national team, which is easy to get behind. Cause Hey, it's our country. Let's go support them. And so at that point he started inviting me to the early morning matches over at the corner bar, you know, right across the street from campus made it easy. Now, when you get to the corner, now my buddy Colin was a big Chelsea fan. Chelsea, obviously very much a London club, uh, a very popular yeah. club. So, well, and that's quite, and that's quite the Derby too, because the Reds yeah. and the Blues, man. So, you know, old Chelsea, great, you know, obviously got themselves <laughs> a pretty good little uh, franchise there. But he sat down with me and said, I'm going to more or less help you pick out your fandom. 
because I want to figure out, you know, who you are as a person and who you're going to support. And after our conversation, he said, what are you looking for in a team? I said, well, a team that's got good history. Maybe they're not the best team right now, but they have good support and somebody that has potential to get very good, but maybe a little bit tortured because, you know, I'm, I'm an Astros fan. I'm a whatever fan. I'm a fan of teams that are a bit tortured at times. Now, you got to understand, it's not nearly as bad as West Ham. I get that. It's not nearly as bad as some of these other ones because they do have a trophy case. But Liverpool, for those of you who don't follow along with European soccer or Premier League or any of that fun stuff, last won their league, you know, their championship for the country in 1990 so essentially the the dallas cowboys of england in that sense because they just haven't won in forever now don't get me wrong i love liverpool for that but it's easy to poke fun at them for it (laughs) but yeah well i was saying i was i think i was talking to my dad about this because my dad's not a premier league guy but uh but he knows that i am so he kind of asks here and there and um I was kind of, I had to, because I'm a West Ham guy, I had to explain relegation to my father. Um, and uh, and I was like, yeah, I, I kind of stopped and thought about it. Like, Man, my wife and I are really going to have to apologize to our daughter at some point because we're Astros and Cubs fans. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Cowboys and Bears. Nice. Uh, yeah, a, a, God bless, I love Texas A&M, but <clears throat> they will break your heart. Uh, they will. And it. And, and in a lot of sports. And now I've got my daughter and my wife into West Ham. So that one's on me. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say. Um, yeah, basketball, yeah. like, we don't really watch it. It's, it's weird. It's, it's weird because, like, my my daughter plays basketball, but she doesn't watch a ton of it. Like, I'm a Rockets fan. My wife's a, a Bulls fan. And right. we're kind of content with the titles we had in the 90s. We're like, whatever. Sure. I'd say it. But yeah, <laughs> I'll say with Liverpool, uh, one thing I really did enjoy about them is they do have a very strong, dedicated fan base. And you know, they've got a bunch of great songs. You'll Never Walk Alone. Fantastic. And I'll be perfectly honest. One other thing that really did draw them to me uh, was, you know, on a little bit more of a somber note, they had a very similar situation to A&M where they had a you know, they had a tragedy that happened with their fans. You know, for those of you who don't know, um, Liverpool experienced um, uh, a Hillsborough disaster back in the 80s where uh, 96 fans uh, were at a neutral stadium and the folks that were supposed to shut the gates did not shut the gates properly and continued to funnel fans into this really tight gated area, which was standing room only and uh, ended up killing about 96 fans. Um, To this day, very much a terrible situation and one of the reasons why when you go to a match in the uk nowadays you will never see a stadium that doesn't have permanent seating everywhere because they realize that having standing room only creates a lot of problems but between that and obviously a&m bonfire that creates a bit of sympathy for me and something that i really appreciated about that club and just generally it's a fun club to follow, especially right now. You know, they are assuming this uh, whole season ends up completing. They should end up winning the title for the first time in 30 years. And that's going to be awesome when that happens. Fingers crossed. Yeah. It's uh, you know, I've been reading some articles about that. You're talking about billions of dollars lost and, uh, and just to touch on it, well, we're not going to go down the rabbit hole of relegation, right. but you know, what, what makes it unique about this is you have teams that if you get relegated, you get sent to the second league, you're talking about you know, no longer branding yourself with Premier League, which I'm telling you, I don't care what anybody says. Internationally, it's as big as the NFL. It really is. Um, you know, those are the, the top footballers in the world play in the Premier League, the top American football players play in the NFL. You know, the top, we have the top baseball league, you know, here in the, in the States and basketball, but you know, it, obviously they have the top foot and, and, and soccer is, is the world sport. And right. I think what makes it unique is uh, it, the, and the one sport that truly doesn't discriminate to wealth, like all you need is a ball, man. And 
And that's what's upsetting about the American system is that we have such a pay-to-play system right. that you know there are kids that don't ever think about picking up a soccer ball because they can't pay for the dues. They can't pay for all the traveling. Right. And so we have all these athletes that pick other sports that would probably be phenomenal international footballers if they could just play it at a reasonable cost. And that's why dude, we're, we're one of the you know biggest countries in the world, and we can't field a men's team to save our life. No, and all you got to do is go back and look at uh, what just recently happened with the uh, development academy. We shut it down. That just happened, you know, just a few days ago. And that is sad for a U.S. standpoint. You know, you do have the third largest population in the world, and not to mention athletes for days. And I get it. We do have a big dilution of sports with basketball and football and baseball and virtually everything else. there's but no we also have a massive field something. We have a massive population. You add 30 more flipping sports and we should still be able to field a team, a club that is successful in the world's most popular sport. And we sure. can't seem to do it. And and why you see it happening on the women's side, if you look at World Cup and you know the, the teams that go back, you know, the the ones that the, the handful that are truly in contention annually with women's World Cup and you can literally point that back to when those countries let women start doing things. Right. You know, it's, you know, who, who finally realized they were morons first, you know, well, we, you know, women are no different. Let them play sports, you know, right. well, you know, let, well, let's do this. And so, you know, the ability, so you look at the countries that are the, the most returning on the women's side, it's the ones who uh, were probably, uh, more uh or probably lean a little bit more forward in the foxhole relative to women's rights and and loosening a lot of regulations and and you know you look here you have title nine so it's it's almost a forced inclusion but all it's uh, you know there are and i know nothing is perfect but title nine has been such a phenomenal thing for so long because it has grown women's sports in this country at just a an exponential rate. And so that's why you, I mean, we have some of the best athletes, some of the best women athletes we have in this country play for our national team. That's true. I'm talking any sport and they chose that path and they stuck with it. Yeah. And they, cause they, yeah. Cause they have, yeah. I mean, they're real good at soccer. They're real good at softball. They're real good at gymnastics. They're real good at everything. You know, like you take the women in this country and they are very skilled. They're very talented. And they know exactly what they're doing, and that's awesome. Yeah, and, you know, it's 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 so much fun to watch all the competition. I'm an Olympics junkie. Yeah. All right. Um, I will watch, um, you know, sports that the U.S. suck in, but if the U.S. is in them, I'm down. Right. But uh, you know, you, you look across the board just at, at the prime athletes out there, and. Um, you really start to, and you see some of it, you know, Olympics are a little bit different because, uh, you know, you go with the East Berlin women's powerlifting from the eighties and, you know, some of the doping stuff that's going on with Russia and China, but, you know, you look where this is happening and where it's not happening. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the freedom to go pick a sport and decide you want to excel at it and, and, you know, realizing that you have the talent. And so the countries that were further along with civil rights are the countries that have more talented female athletes. Right. So, so since the beginning, pretty much of this country, the men have always had the rights. Why do we suck at soccer? I'm so sick of that crap. <laughs> we so sick know. of that crap. It's terrible. And Dude, we didn't we didn't come up we didn't come up with baseball for 150, 170 years from such a stupid country, and yet we can't figure out how to play literally a sport that people've been playing since it looked like a damn medicine ball. Yeah, and I'll admit, you know, you go back and you look at the U.S. men's team, and, you know, my fandom with that, for those of you who don't know me, I'm actually uh, president of the American Outlaws Bryan College Station chapter. Granted, you know, there's like 15 of us, but, you know, hey, we're here, and if you uh, get to the point where we're starting to play more matches and you want to come out, just tweet at us. We go and meet at the corner. Shameless plug there. And, anyway. And for the well, and for those who don't know, the American Outlaws, I mean, if you again, if you've been living under a rock, because people that don't watch soccer will normally watch the World Cup, they'll watch, you know, soccer in the Olympics. The American Outlaws are the American supporters. Right. And they just, you know, so the American Outlaws, don't worry, Rob's not in a biker game. I don't know. Rob might be in a biker game. I don't know. But this isn't it. The American Outlaws, is, they're football supporters, um, you, know, you know, English football, you know, European football. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's all good stuff, man. 
Man, that's the only biker game I'm a part of. It has a little bell on it. Ding, ding. <laughs> Your little basket. <laughs> yeah, give me my little basket. Uh, there you go. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. So we covered all a little right, bit of barbecue. Covered a little bit of footy. Was there anything else you needed to talk about today? I don't know. We pretty much went from Texas to London in one fell swoop. Hey, you know, um, that's not a bad trip. Oh, you know, speaking of barbecue, um, there is a, there's a song out there. It's called the barbecue song. It's literally what it's called. And, uh, it looks like a bunch of hillbillies sitting around and it's kind of a parody song, but it's hilarious because it'll actually teach you a little bit about the regional barbecue. Um, uh, you know, or, you know, what states, you know, what kind of each state specializes in and it pokes fun at California and Florida. So that's good. Um, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, so if you get a chance, Google the bar- the barbecue song. It's it's pretty hilarious. Yeah. But um, yeah, man. Well, it's speaking of Texas to London, and my wife and I have thought more than you know a couple minutes on once my daughter gets out of A and M because she's going. Um, but once yeah, <laughs> once she, once she graduates from A and M, yeah, we've really kicked the idea around of actually moving to London Ooh. and. Uh, yeah, I did, the weather is gonna is literally my biggest hang-up. I can deal with things being more expensive. I can deal with everything. It's the weather, bro, and I'm a total weenie when it's cold and wet. So it's that's that's kind of holding me up. But, yeah. man, can, can you imagine dropping a barbecue joint in the middle of London, like an actual authentic barbecue joint? I'll tell you this much. Uh, that would be awesome. I will say if I had to pick one of those islands to go live on, it would most definitely be Ireland. I love Ireland. It's very pretty. The people are wonderful over there. Had a great time when I got to go visit back in 2014. I'd go back time and time again. Love it. Nice. I will All say right, man. this. Um, just one one final little plug here. So I'm not sure if you caught on with this uh, little thing that happened on the interwebs a little while ago. But uh, you know Puddle of Mud, right? Oh, yeah. So Puddle of Mud uh, acoustically covered about a girl by Nirvana on uh howard stern a little while back and really it was <laughs> awful terrible really? garbage the worst you have to go watch it go check it out on youtube oh, it's, it's yeah so so you're you're telling everybody come come on come to the intersection watch the train wreck yes please come and ah, watch this well. train wreck because it is i mean i don't know all he had to do was tune it down a couple of you know octaves or whatever it was bad out, it, he just, was screeching. He sounded like a, a painless dying bird. It was really, really just bad. Not even in the same zip code as his range? No. He, he needed to right. reconsider. Hey, the, the thing going around Twitter, did you see that this morning with the two houses? One of them's black and one of them's all yes. like pretty and dainty. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that got to that got me to thinking. And I don't know. It literally, I saw it and I saw one person's response and it popped in my head. Uh if you've never, first of all, if you've never listened to Nirvana Unplugged album, it is phenomenal. It's one um, of the best. There's a little bit of screeching, but Kurt Cobain is—he wasn't necessarily a vocalist. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, but my submission for that would be Jesus don't want me for a sunbeam. <laughs> it, it's like the it's like the cheeriest tune with the most depressing lyrics. Yeah, probably top ten ever. <laughs> yeah, that, that's Nirvana for you, man. They that said, you know, there's been a lot of talk about them lately again, which always seems to happen but yeah i mean yeah you go back and you look at you know they were always very sad songs but they were catchy yeah no it, they were yeah they, they did a lot of cool they did a lot of really good covers and that was actually a cover but uh i want to say that, that one was the vaselines i can't remember but uh and like and the vaselines had covered it from like an old christian song so it's you know a couple a couple of artists removed but uh sure. But then, the, you know, the stuff that they wrote was, you know, it was in that, I mean, they were really the pioneers of grunge rock, to be honest. Like, you have Nirvana, Pearl Jam, and Soundgarden. <clears throat> and Nirvana was just a little bit different, you know? And, uh, and yeah, their, their lyrics are, if you really pour through the lyrics, you can see why, you know, unfortunately, he ended up suck starting a shotgun. Like, that dude had right. some serious demons going on, and he was addressing them with drugs and alcohol right. and, and a terrible relationship with Courtney Love and mm-hmm. if you don't know Courtney Love is Google it and you'll yeah. just be like amazed reading about a human like that um, but uh, but yeah man that's so I guess just a random shameless plug for Nirvana oh yeah yeah well and you know Nirvana you know when, when they broke up <clears throat> you know Foo Fighters was born basically and that was 
a massive blessing. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Nirvana and, and I love what they were, but I'm so happy we ended up getting Foo Fighters out of the deal <laughs> because well, Dave, Grohl, Dave Grohl being a front man needed to happen. And it's awesome. Dave, Dave Grohl is one of the most impressive musicians I've ever seen. Incredible. Um, love that man. Yeah. Just for what he did, if you look at what he did and the capacity he did for Nirvana, and then you look at what Foo Fighters is and how they're – honestly, Foo Fighters and Nirvana aren't much alike at all. No. <laughs> you know, and so he's – you know, his, his ability to really just kind of play in any genre and all that stuff. So, we, you know, we can talk – we'll have to do a music one. We can talk all day, talk about the generations of music that I went through, and then as you and I kind of started – you know, your, yours and mine align. And we'll, yeah, we'll have to run through that. Maybe we'll do that next time. Absolutely. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, uh, once again, we really appreciate you guys coming along with us on the Red Ass Podcast. Yes, and sir. make sure you keep an eye out. We are uh, we are feverishly working. And by we, I mean pretty much Rob. Yep. Uh, feverishly working on on our apparel line. Um, yes. We're going to have a lot of fun with it. This, Yeah, that, that, that was something we'd had in the mix for a while. And... Uh, and so I, I think some some ags out there will, will really enjoy it. I, yeah. I, I almost I almost want to give a teaser for my favorite shirt, um, just because I think it's phenomenal. But I guess you kind of got to be an office fan too, though. So it doesn't I don't know if it really works, but hey, yeah, you know, you know got to got to get a little crossover. There's never a bad thing. Well, hey. Yeah, um, hey but- <laughs> Folks, uh, make sure you go follow us on Twitter at Red S Podcast. Also, do not mind uh, following uh, Old Roy May fifteen on Twitter, Robert underscore White fourteen on Twitter. Ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, and your podcast. band, yes sir, and your band, man, Jordan and my Nicks. band, yes. So, uh, if you guys have not had a chance, we actually had our live stream this past Thursday. Uh, you can go back on Facebook. And if you uh, dig around, you can absolutely find the stream for it. It was under the gallery in Navasota. We went and recorded down there. Um, did a full band performance, hour and a half long. You, know, you don't have to watch the whole thing. I wouldn't blame you. But enjoy yourself. <laughs> Check it out. It's like it's great music. Well, it was fun being out and about, for sure. And these guys and these guys are no schleps. These aren't like kids next door who just like went and spent money on guitars and amps to see what they could do. These, they were, un- unfortunately, I hate to bring up a sore spot. Right. These guys won a competition to open at Chili Fest. This is, this is good music, man. Yeah. That's all and I'm saying. This, this is a quality list. Check us out for sure. Uh, we do have a single out on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, wherever you listen to music. Uh, right now it's called Bye Bye. Uh, go check it out. You're actually going to hear it on the outro here on our podcast. That's been our outro last couple weeks. So uh, make sure you guys give us a listen. Uh, thank you so much once again. Red S Podcast, Episode 3. We will see you all next time. Gig'em. Gig'em.